Well, good evening. Thank you to Pastor Swinney for the invitation. Thank you to the Colby family for the introduction. Um, it was a pleasure to be able to work with Jacob out on the sidewalks from the abortion mill in Huntsville. Um, before that closed down, thankfully that ministry is over and we can move on to other things. Um, really appreciated uh, Colby's friendship. We're going to be starting in um, Proverbs chapter 24. Again, my name is Paul Abbott II. I'm a board member of End Abortion Alabama. Myself and two other board members, and we are a, a nonprofit, and we are working to uh, mobilize the church in Alabama, uh, motivating the church to love her preborn neighbor as herself, um, to care about justice and mercy as much as God does, um, and in seeking to um, rescue the weakest among us. Again, in Proverbs chapter 24. In verse 11, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to open up your word. We thank you for the gift of your word to us. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We ask that you would help us as we consider the plight of our preborn neighbor and learn more about how we, as your people, um, can be your hands and feet um, in caring for them. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it, and he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it, and shall not he render to every man according to his works? We have here a very uh, stark um, example here. We have a very clear message of what we are to do when we see death and destruction being carried on around us. Um, we are not really given an out here. In fact, he even preempts a question um, that we might have. Um, he is mirroring here, the, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon here, is mirroring um, and, and expanding off of something that is found in Leviticus chapter 20 that we will read in a moment. Whereas God is speaking to his people and telling them that when you know, and we know there are people who are being taken to the slaughter. We know there are people being drawn away to death. Even here in Alabama, abortion is not illegal in Alabama. Let me say that again. Abortion is not illegal in this state. Now, it's true that the abortion clinics have closed. There were five freestanding abortion clinics. There's one in Huntsville. There was one in Birmingham. One in Tuscaloosa, one in Mobile, and one in Montgomery. And they, as of June of last year, are no longer um, killing children. They're no longer doing surgical abortions or even selling abortion pills. Um, although the one in Tuscaloosa, I believe, is still open and um, is 
referring women out of state to Florida or Georgia where they can get abortions. But just because those places have closed down does not mean that abortions have ended in the state. And so this isn't even a, a message, um, a hypothetical message um, for you know, people that still live in California or New Jersey and for what they could do with abortion. No, it is legal here in this state. There very well could be um, doctors or at the Huntsville Birthing Center that are still doing abortions um, that are not being reported. That is very possible. But for sure, there are chemical abortions happening because chemical abortions in the state, there is no penalty. There is no repercussions at all for women buying a pill through the mail. Um, through the, currently, it's, um, the abortion pill is being sold um, through the mail. There are pharmacies that are wanting to bring the pill to Alabama, just you can just go down to the local Walgreens or CVS and order it, although they don't believe that's happened yet. Our attorney general is pushing back against that. But certainly through the mail, and we know, uh, we do have numbers on that, that there are many, many, many abortions by pill um, all over the country that are being ordered. And actually in no state is there any repercussion for that. And every state is completely legal for them to order a pill, have it shipped to her mailbox, get it and swallow it in her house, and that's it. No penalties at all. In fact, I'll just say this before I get back to the scriptures. Um, even that was that was true even before Roe was overturned last year. Even before the Supreme Court decision in the Mississippi case in Dobbs v. Jackson, the majority of abortions in this country were already happening by the pill. Most of them were already chemical abortions. Even before surgical abortions um, were cracked down on with the new, with the different laws going into effect last summer. And so. Again, um, this is something that is happening right here in Harvest, in Athens, in Huntsville, Madison County. There are many children still being killed um, earlier than they used to be um, through surgical abortions, but they are still still dying. Leviticus chapter 20, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given up his seed unto Molech, to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And to the people of the land do any ways hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth of his seed unto Molech, and kill him not. Then will I set my face against that man, and against his family, and will cut him off, and all that go a-whoring after him, to commit whoredom, with Molech from among their people. And so, as we read in Proverbs chapter 24, um, that God would hold you account um, no matter what answers you might give. Well, here we see in Leviticus 20, it says he's not even, he, again, he's not just concerned with the people who are offering their children as sacrifice to Molech. That is obviously a sin that's evil, and they're committing murder by putting their children in the hands of that idol to be burned to death. But he's even speaking to the people that know what's happening and turn the other way. They don't agree with it. If people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from the man and they give this scene to Molech, hiding their eyes. They don't like it. They don't like what they're seeing. They don't want any part of it. But they are permitting that in their midst. And God says to those people, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off. Now, of course, this is Leviticus speaking to the Israelites. There's not a one-to-one correlation um, to our situation today. Obviously, we don't have um, people that are in public um, offering up born children to Moloch. 
Uh, we don't have a mechanism for stoning people, and there's other things to go into. Um, but the point is that God was not just um, concerned with the guilt of those who were actually doing the deed themselves. He was interested and found guilty those who knew it was happening and did not do what they could to stop it and were indeed covering up those crimes. Psalm 82 says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Now this, I believe, Psalm 82 is speaking specifically to judges, to the magistrates. Um, But this principle um, is there for all of us. It says in verse 3, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Um, The word fatherless appears many times in the King James. Other versions might say orphan. Uh, and I'm using, to use a, a broad definition of fatherless, obviously uh, many children who are going to be aborted technically do have living human fathers here on this earth, but many of, if a child is being aborted, most of the time he is even worse off than if he did have a living father because his father is paying for someone to murder his child, or his father is even consenting to his death. And so what more hopeless of a situation could it be for an unborn child whose own parents are actually conspiring to pay someone to vacuum his brains out of his skull? Defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. And so here we have another admonition, to deliver the poor and fatherless, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked, rescue them. Proverbs 24 says, deliver those who are being drawn away to death. Deliver those who are being taken to slaughter. And unfortunately, uh, despite the strong pro-life majority in our state legislature, despite the fact that our governor, attorney general, um, our Supreme Court, um, they're all Republicans professing pro-lifers, babies in this state are still being killed with impunity. And again, not just Alabama, but every state. There's maybe 15 or so, maybe even a little more different states that have closed on all these abortion clinics. So Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, um, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and others. There are no more freestanding abortion clinics there. They've all closed down. However, again, babies are still dying, um, not just by the pill, but obviously people can still go out of state. Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, um, those states are still... Um, as busy as ever, likely even busier now. Those states likely have more abortions in this year than they did last year with all the people from the other states driving into them. Um, You see so many different Alabama-Mississippi tags at the Georgia abortion clinics. Um, And so, I mean, what went wrong? Again, we have have people who would tell you most of the politicians in the state will say they're 100% pro-life. Most of them will even act like Abortion has been taken care of, and it's no longer a problem. But they are not really following Psalm 82. They're not actually defending the fatherless. And they're giving us unjust laws. They're giving us unjust decrees. I mean, for one thing, um, it wasn't until last summer that these abortion clinics closed their doors here in the state. Now, we've had pro-life majorities for decades. I, don't, I mean, there's been Republican control since the, since the first decade of this, uh, of this um, 
in the century since the aughts. But going back beyond that, many Democrats that were in control before that were pro-life in the state. The, the law that, that is in effect right now that is actually keeping abortion technically legal in the state was actually written by pro-life politicians. There's pro-life Republicans about 20 years ago who wrote the law that is currently um, in effect that says that, yes, life does begin at conception. Our law says that life begins at conception. But if it's an abortion, then you cannot prosecute that person for homicide. So it identifies it technically as a legal murder. Yes, this is, it is a homicide to kill an unborn child, but if it's an abortion and not, you know, an assailant just assaulting a woman, then it's okay. There's no repercussions for it at all. The Republicans put that in there because they wanted to make that point of saying life begins at conception. So before that, it was technically illegal in Alabama still from the laws that were on the books before the Roe decision. Laws from decades ago in Alabama said, well, abortion's illegal, but they just wanted to make that, that meaningless political statement. In effect, it did nothing, but they could go back to the district and say, hey, we passed a law saying life begins at conception. Aren't you proud of us? Aren't we doing what we said? Aren't we defending life? And they're doing nothing of the kind. Um, I could go on with dozens and dozens of different examples of the types of, of evil laws that pro-lifers have put forward that are actually um, not doing what they say and are actually basically worthless. I'll talk about the heartbeat law. That's a popular one. Florida recently passed a heartbeat law. Um, Tennessee has a heartbeat law in effect. Georgia has a heartbeat law that's supposedly in effect, but the people, the abortion clinics seem to be ignoring it anyways. Um, Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Starting in verse 24. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Skipping down uh, to verse 36, obviously Gabriel um, informs Mary that she is going to be with child. And then Gabriel tells her, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. And so we have in the first passage, it says that she had been pregnant uh, five months, and then Gabriel comes to Mary, and then here Gabriel tells her, um, that she is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Now, down to verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. So it says, Mary rose in those days and went with haste. So Mary left right after Gabriel talked to her and quickly went down to Judah. She was there within a week or two of Gabriel's uh, message to her. She was with Elizabeth. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. Then in verse 56, And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. The birth, uh, and then now Elizabeth full-time came, that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. So Mary went to Elizabeth when Elizabeth was six months a child. She stayed there three months. So we've gotten to nine months now. Mary leaves and goes home, and then Elizabeth has the baby. So I'm reading all the scriptures to prove to you that Mary must have reached Elizabeth very soon after Gabriel's message. It was six months after Elizabeth conceived and three months before she gave birth. So right at the six-month mark that Mary arrived in Judah. And so Jesus was born 15 months after uh, the message to Zacharias that John was going to be conceived. Jesus was born nine or Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist was born. So, reading again in um, in verse forty-four, lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, first of all, we have John the Baptist at six months in utero, conscious of the fact that his Savior was standing before him. And we have the, um, just the amazing part of that and what we could think about um, the, the consciousness and the, you know, the, the personhood of John uh, as being someone, um, an individual separate from Elizabeth in his mother's womb. We could go into that. But really what I'm more interested in right here is the fact that what was John recognizing? He was recognizing that he was in the, fa- in, in the presence of his personal Savior, Jesus. Again, Jesus had just been conceived probably no more than two weeks prior to this. Jesus did not have a heartbeat when John recognized that he was here in the flesh. And so when we see these many different states passing what they, what many politicians will tell you is the most stringent anti-abortion law that is possible, it's a heartbeat law. That's what Tucker Carlson was just asking candidates about the summit a few days ago in Iowa. He was asking them, this was, seems a very tough question, would you pass a six-week, which means heartbeat bill, if you were elected president, would you push that through? Well, that would leave Jesus out. Not only is it, the law has two purposes here. The law has, you know, the, we can punish someone who commits a crime. It's, it can rein you in and, and, and um, say, well, look, if I do this, I'm going to prison. But it also has that, that teaching aspect of just showing you, well, like this is, you know, generally a bad thing. This is, you know, something that is wrong. And that's why I've attached penalty to it. Women will tell you if you're out at the abortion clinic and they're going inside, they will tell you, oh, it's okay, it's, I've only been pregnant a month. It's okay, it doesn't have a heartbeat yet. That's what women tell us because they've been trained by the pro-life establishment to think, oh, well, obviously we're only stopping it at six weeks, we're only stopping it at a heartbeat. Well, therefore, even pro-lifers don't think that it's, it's murder, don't even think it's an abortion before six weeks, before heartbeat. And while many pro-lifers who are pushing these bills, they may tell you, some of them, well, I, I genuinely believe it's hard to conception, but, I mean, we, you know, we're going to try to get what we can. But still, what you are teaching people is that at this moment that John recognized the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus wasn't actually human yet. 
and that he would not be protected by these laws. And so if your most stringent anti-abortion law wouldn't even protect our Savior if he had been living in that society, it's a garbage law. Again, I could go on and on. And on. There's, just, there's just so many ways in which they in which they'll try to twist things. Um, moving back into Proverbs chapter 17, it says, He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. He that justifieth the wicked. And that is what our courts do. That's what our laws do in this land. Uh, they accept the, those people. And again, not just... Don't just think New York. Don't just think Illinois. Here in Alabama, our laws currently look at the wicked and do not judge them as they should. Proverbs 18, it is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Proverbs 20 says, divers' weights are an abomination to the Lord and a false balance is not good. Divers' weights are an abomination to the Lord. Unjust weights and measures. So we say we have one law for a person who is born and a different law for someone who's not born. Well, that's unjust. Because according to God, a born person, an unborn person, they both have the same value before God. They're both made in his image and they should both be protected by the same law. And that's why um, in the bill that we pushed this year, House Bill 454 here in Alabama, Representative Ernie Yarbrough, that bill we call the Equal Protection Act. You're saying that people who are born, people who are not born, they should all be under the equal protection of the laws, governed, governed by the same standard here. And you look at a pro-life law, all the pro-life laws or proposed laws, they're always differentiating and they're choosing, well, this person will get these certain rights and this person will not be protected in the same way. Um, the... Uh, the pro-life movement moving away from the errors with their political strategies, if you will, um, there, are, there are other problems, there are other ways in which um, really we're lulled into a false sense of security in many ways. Um, oftentimes, right-wing um, news outlets are dishonest when it comes to anything dealing with abortion. Um, just they're as... Really, when any come, anytime you see um, commentary from a right-wing or left-wing outlet, it's generally wrong. Just It's almost always, no matter what the law is, whether it's for abortion or whether it's anti-abortion, they're generally wrong. They generally make it sound better than it actually is um, and put more weight on it and, and say things that this law is going to do that it's not actually going to do. <clears throat> um, but one of the issues with... with um, so, that being said... It was back in 2019 that the law was passed in Alabama that um, went into, finally went into effect last year that closed abortion clinics. Well, for three years, people in the state thought that abortion had been illegal. People thought that abortion was banned since 2019. A number of people tell, told me that. I had several people come to the abortion clinic and like drive by, roll down the windows, and say, why are you out here? There's no abortions happening anymore. Yes, there are. The 2019 law did absolutely nothing. They closed, for, I think, for one day, and they got the lawyers to check it out and said, okay, we're good to go, and went right back to abortions. And so when, that, when these laws are passed, they lull people into a false sense of security. Also, we have things like, you'll hear pro-life outlets say things like, oh, well, 75% of um, you know, Americans want to ban abortion or something like that. Well, yeah, most Americans want to prohibit some abortions, most Americans are against partial birth abortions, but 
most of them aren't actually against abortion from a moral perspective and saying, yes, all abortions are evil, all abortions are murder, and all abortions should be abolished. Another problem that we have is, uh, and don't get me wrong, this, this is not a bad thing in and of itself, but there's an over-reliance on crisis pregnancy centers, CPCs, or pregnancy resource centers. Those are all over the country. There, I mean, there are so many of them. We have one in our little town. Um, there's no abortion clinic within uh, two hours of where we live. Um, but if you ask a lot of Christians, and this may, this may be some of you here, and again, not knocking this, this isn't a, a bad thing to do, but many Christians will say, well, I'm pro-life. I donate to my local pregnancy resource center. Um, and that is the sum total of what they do in delivering those who are being taken away to death. But the thing is that most of the, well, most of the women that these places see are women who were never considering abortion in the first place. They're not, you might think that, well, if we can just raise enough funds to see an ultrasound or just raise enough money to give clothes to the child or feed them or um, provide for women in this way, get her job or whatever, well, that then she won't get an abortion. That happens occasionally, but in my experience, I've been doing this for six years, standing out in front of abortion clinics. Not a single woman that I've ever interacted with there that changed her mind, and, and we do see people change their mind often, but not a single one that I've experienced ever actually took any help from me. They never actually accepted our offer and said, yes, I, you know, like, I need a house, I need a job. Now, that happens occasionally, but typically they just say, thank you for, for speaking to me, and I change, they change their mind and leave, because the bottom line is they were getting an abortion because they were selfish. They were getting abortion because they did not care about their child. They knew that they had a living child inside of them. They knew it was a person. They just didn't care. They loved themselves more than they loved that baby. And so most of the women that are going into these abortion clinics or ordering these pills online, most of those women would, aren't even considering going to a crisis pregnancy center and getting any help. They don't need help. They don't want help. They just love themselves more than they love God and more than they love their, their child. And so these centers are actually only fulfilling a very, um, a very small need. And is a need, again, it, it's a good thing, but it's only touching a, a, a small fraction of the women um, they were engaging with. But for many Christians, many churches, that is what they're doing. That's the sum total of their work is they're just relying on local print centers. Also, I hate to say it, but many of them are not um, giving the gospel to these women. And some of them are even, I've seen it myself, they are dishonestly um, going to churches and saying that they're Christian, saying that maybe more vaguely that they're faith-based or whatever, and they're racking donations from Christians, but when you get in there, they're not actually talking about Christ. They're not actually pointing to these women to the gospel and showing them how they can be free from this, how they can actually turn from their selfish behavior and actually um, have the, the right mindset and how they can actually um, love their child and honor the image of God in him. The, we, could, we could go on and on. There are so many passages in the scripture I'm not going to read about the fatherless, uh, about caring for orphans. Um, I'm not going to read it, but sometime go through the book of Job. Um, 
there's many mentions of the fatherless in Job. I find Job very interesting because it was likely the first book ever written. Um, it was likely written before the law was given to Mount Sinai. But just to see the many, just how many things that, that, that Job knew, that we're not quite sure how he knew them. Um, and one of those things is he was very serious about caring for orphans. And he defends himself several times in, that, in the book saying, well, why am I in this position? I'm caring for the fatherless. Now, his theology wasn't quite right there, but nevertheless, he saw that as a very important thing. And Eliphaz goes after Job, telling him, you must be in this position because you were hurting the fatherless or something. You must have been oppressing orphans. That's why God's punishing you. Again, Eliphaz also was in the wrong perspective. But the point is, they even 4,000 years ago, perhaps, knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing when it came to the needy, uh, came to the and it can go on and on, not the fathers, it's the widow, it's immigrants. It's, um, you know, we have the, the declaration of the resurrection in the future that Job was looking forward to. Read Job with that mindset. Um, so we're not, we don't just have witness from the scriptures, though. We have witness from all of church history of Christians always standing against abortion. I'd recommend a book called Third Time Around by Dr. George Grant, Third Time Around. I, I don't think it is in print, although he's planning to republish it again. Um, if you find a copy of that, I actually read it um, on the internet. But it goes through um, history of 2,000 years of the church standing against abortion. I'm going to read you some quotes from some of the early church fathers um, on this issue. Augustine said, They provoke women to such extravagant methods as to use poisonous drugs to secure barrenness, or else, if unsuccessful in this, to murder the unborn child. Jerome said, they who drink potions to ensure sterility are guilty of rebuffing God's own blessings. Some, when they learn that the potions have failed and thus are with child through sin, practice abortion by use of still other potions. They are then guilty of three crimes, self-mutilation, adultery, and the murder of an unborn child. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, said, they deny in the very womb their own progeny by use of parasitical mixtures. They snuff out the fruit of their wombs. In this way, life is taken before it is given. Who except man himself has taught us ways of repudiating our own children? And again, I mean, I didn't preface this, but abortion is not a modern thing. And don't think that this is something that it was been several years ago. We have records of abortions happening all the way back in ancient Egypt. Um, and, and, it, and it wasn't even a rare thing. And it wasn't even chemicals. They were doing forms of surgical abortion even thousands of years ago. Tertullian said, Our faith declares life out of death. Therefore, murder is forbidden once and for all. We may not destroy even the fetus in the womb. To hinder a birth is merely a speedier man killing. Thus, it does not matter whether you take away a life that is born or destroy one that is coming to the birth. In both instances, destruction is murder. Clement of Alexandria says, Our whole life can proceed according to God's perfect plan only if we gain dominion over our desires, practicing continence from the beginning instead of destroying through perverse and pernicious arts human offspring who are given birth by divine providence. Those who use abortifacient medicine to hide their fornication cause not only the outright murder of the fetus, but of the whole human race as well. He's saying you're committing genocide by killing your own offspring. Athenagoras says, we say that women who induce abortions are murderers. We'll have to give account of it to God. The fetus in the womb is a living being and therefore the object of God's care. The Didache. Um, the Didache is perhaps the earliest written account from Christians that we have outside the scriptures, possibly even written in the first century. It says, there are two ways, the way of life and the way of death, and the difference between these two ways is great. Therefore, do not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. 
And lastly, Basil of Caesarea, writing in the second century A.D., he said, She who has deliberately destroyed a fetus must bear the penalty for murder. Moreover, those who aid her, who give abortifacients for the destruction of a child conceived in the womb, are murderers themselves, along with those receiving the poisons. And this gets to um, one of the great lies of what I like to call the pro-life establishment, and that they say that a woman who gets an abortion is not guilty. It's merely the doctor who performs the abortion on her who is the guilty one. That the woman herself has merely been deceived by Planned Parenthood and has been tricked into thinking um, that this is not a child. Again, as I said earlier, from talking to women, and you can, if you wanted to learn more, you can go to, um, it's called notavictim.org, his website, and they just have, they just document um, all these instances of women just, just telling people, yeah, I know it's a baby and I don't care. Or, I mean, they say things like, yes, it's murder. I'm going to commit murder. Yes, you got it right. And that is the case of most of these women. And the pro-life establishment will tell you, well, they don't know it's murder. They've been tricked. They've been lied to. Um, we just need to focus on the abortionist. As I said earlier, most abortions are happening by the pill anyways. So who is the murderer in this instance? It's a woman picking up a pill out of a mailbox and swallowing the pill. I mean, yeah, you could have laws going after people who sell the pills or whatever, but you can't say that they're a murderer just for selling that and that they're the primary actor. No, these women are purposely choosing either to pay someone to do it or to do it themselves, and they are guilty, and the laws should treat everyone equally. We can't have a special class of people. We can't say, well, women are too stupid to know any better, so they won't be punished by our laws. Only abortionists. Although, actually, female abortionists are also somehow in these laws. So if you're a female abortionist, you somehow know. But if you're not an abortionist, it, I mean, it, it gets wild, their logic, when you think about it. But as we saw in several of these early church fathers, um, Basil says, those who aid her give abortifacient for the destruction of a child conceived in the womb are murderers themselves along with those receiving the poisons. He's saying that the woman who's receiving this poison is herself a murderer. She herself is guilty of this crime, that she hasn't been duped. There was a pastor in, at a, of a church near here um, who, was, who was talking about this, and he, was, um, he had said that one of the elders in his church was trying to restrain him and tell him that he shouldn't really be talking about abortion very much because women who were in the church possibly have had abortions in the past and they'd be offended by this. And this is something that you'll hear from the pro-life establishment saying, yeah, but that's, that's unloving um, to, towards a woman who's had an abortion. Well, sometimes the truth is unloving. We look at the Apostle Paul. He was a murderer, and yet he was restored. God was gracious to him. Jesus didn't show up on the Damascus Road and tell Paul, well, I know that the Jews tricked you. I know that your upbringing Gamaliel told you this. The Pharisees told you that. We're just going to kind of overlook what you did um, and just, you know, just come and join my team. That's not how it happened. Jesus confronted Paul, and Paul had his conscience ripped open. He was confronted with the fact that he had been working against God. He thought he'd been doing God's work, and yet here come, Jesus comes and confronts him, and he spends three days in blindness wrestling with the fact that he had been murdering the people of God. And after that point, 
Paul was baptized and received into the church, and he was welcomed as a brother. And that is the message that we must give to these women. If we don't tell a woman who has purposely murdered a child that she is a murderer, then she has no hope. If we don't point her to Christ and say, yes, you are a sinner, but Christ is a Savior that will take you no matter what you have done, then she cannot be freed from the guilt of having murdered her child. And yes, there is forgiveness in Christ for every manner of sin. It doesn't matter what crimes you committed. It doesn't matter how heinous you think it is. Christ died to cover your sin. And so turn to him in repentance. Don't think that it's loving to look away from sin. Don't think that um, you're going to attract people to your cause with soft words and not saying that, yes, abortion is murder, but we serve a God who forgives murderers. In a moment, we will, um, uh, I'll take a few questions. Um, but what can we do? Um, again, the abortion mill Huntsville has closed down, um, and that's good. But in another way, it makes it so women getting abortions, we have no idea where they are. They're doing their own homes. Now we, we, can't, we can't stop them. At least there used to be a place we could go and intercede right at the end, make a last effort um, to stop them. Um, again, as far as I know, no pharmacies are currently selling abortion pill in this state, although that could happen soon. Um, I say the abortion pill, I, and I, when I say the abortion pill, I mean the pill that will uh, kill a baby up to 10 weeks typically without an issue. But pharmacies are selling abortifacient pills currently. They're selling Plan B one set. They're selling the morning after pill. Walmart, Walgreens, they're all selling Plan B one step. And that is a pill that is taken after a possible conception of a child and that ends the life of a child. And that's legal everywhere. Um, and so that, that also, that is taking place. Um, so what we can do is we can, um, I mean, take, take that seriously. Um, I mean, when you, when you drive by your, the pharmacy on the way home tonight, just think about that fact. You know, they're selling things in there that are used to murder unborn children. You can support legislation, House Bill 454, um, uh, that would actually close that loophole here in the state, that would abolish abortion, treat it as murder, but completely outlaw it. Um, you, can be, you can stop um, believing the pro-life establishment's narrative. You can stop um, giving them money. Um, there was a law introduced in Louisiana last spring, spring of 2022, that would have abolished abortion, and National Right to Life wrote a letter um, signed by 70 pro-life organizations around the state, including um, the affiliate here in Alabama, the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition, I believe it's called. Um, The letter said, do not support this bill, vote this bill down. They do not want to support any bill that could possibly put a woman in prison for murdering an unborn human. Um, Also, Hebrews 13 tells us, remember those who are in bonds is bound with them. There are Christians in jail right now in this country, in jail for peacefully trying to prevent women from murdering their children. Um, there are others who are going to be standing on trial, a large group of them, um, this coming January, who are facing prison sentences um, for this. Um, so remember those who have really put themselves out there. Um, we can, there, there are ways without 
you know, going all the way to Atlanta or whatever and directly physically trying to stop someone from getting an abortion, like what we do, we go and preach the gospel at the abortion clinic. So um, my family are doing that um, this coming week, several days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we'll be out at the abortion mills in Atlanta. I'm giving them the gospel. Um, but we we need to, I'll close with this, we, we need to, to understand uh, Deuteronomy 27.19 when it says, Cursed be he that perverteth the justice of the fatherless, of the, widder, of the widow, and of the stranger. And all the people shall say, Amen. God says that if you pervert the justice of the fatherless, that you are cursed. And not only do we have probably politicians in this state, in this, in northern Alabama, who are perverting the justice of the fatherless and permitting thousands of unborn children to be killed every year, we have Christians who are accepting that. We have Christians who are going alongside them and clapping them back and saying, great job passing your worthless pro-life legislation. We have, we have to say amen. That verse says, it says, the people of God will say amen to justice, to the fatherless. I'm not asking you to be political. I'm not asking you uh, to vote for a certain candidate or to go and put a yard sign in your, in your front lawn or whatever. I'm asking you to be Christian, to deliver those being drawn away into death. If you see someone, if you see a legislator who lives next door to you, who is in every single one in Alabama is a professing Christian, if they say, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to take a stand to prevent children from being murdered, well, that's not Christ-like behavior. Go to these people as a brother and say, well, what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say about giving justice to the fatherless? And Psalm 82 directly commanding magistrates to defend the fatherless. Do not agree with people who are not giving justice. And only say amen to those who are actually bringing justice and saying, yes, we'll stand in God's word and we will stand with the law that says, thou shalt not murder. That applies to all humans, no matter the age, no matter where they are. It doesn't matter what the condition is. Amen. All right, are there any questions? I only brought about a dozen of these, um, but you can see me take one of these flyers um, about in abortion Alabama. Open it up, uh, you scan the QR code, it'll take you to the website, you can put our, your email address in, so you can follow along for updates. You can also follow us on Facebook, but see me for one of these when we're done. Yes? Yes, from the pro-abortion crowd. Um, so, the legislator from this area who introduced HB 314 in 2019, um, that is the operative abortion law here, she said, I was there in the committee me- meeting with her, I heard her say it in my own ears, she said, this bill is not a line in the sand. She said that she did not want this law ever to be enforced. She, the, the woman who wrote the law, she said she never wanted to be enforced. She said, I, I'm only putting this out there to like prod the Supreme Court to look at the abortion issue, and then if they say our law is okay, then we'll back up and we'll make it more lenient and add more loopholes in so you can get abortions. So not only did she say in 2019, she said the same thing again last summer after the law went into effect. She said, oh, this is too harsh. This was just like a statement. We don't actually want to do this. We want some abortions to be allowed. We want women who are raped to be able to kill their child, kill their, kill their children, not only did she say it, Mac McCutcheon from um, Madison 
he also said the same thing, um, or former Speaker of the House. And so he's not in office anymore, but he said the same thing. Oh, this law shouldn't be enforced. You should go back and, and give loopholes. Um, now, none of, no law like that was introduced um, in this past legislative session. But there are obviously Democrats want to do it. But there are some Republicans who want to go and do that. And that has happened in other states just this year. Other states, pro-life Republicans, have gone in and added laws that are completely pro-abortion. There's not just like it sounds pro-life. But no, it's the only thing it does is permit more abortions. Um, even, that ha- even happened in Oklahoma, which is one of the most Republican states in the country, um, where they had a law um, that would permit more abortions than actually were already on the books there. So, yes, it, the laws could go backwards. Yes, sir? Uh, is there any room in the anti-abortion movement for uh, some loopholes or women that are coerced into these abortions by either parents or friends or boyfriends or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no law um, on the books or proposed that could punish a woman that was coerced to an abortion. Um, for instance, the, the law that I was working on, or the bill I was working on here in Alabama, HB 454, um, it, re- it does not actually um, mention women or mothers in the bill. All it says is it removes that loophole that says you cannot be prosecuted for a homicide for an abortion. And so the penalty for abortion currently in Alabama, or the, the penalty for murder currently of a born person, would then apply to the murder of an unborn person. So all the same rules of evidence, all the same laws, everything would be the same. So just as if now, if you took a two-year-old, if you took them to a clinic and paid someone to kill them, well, the person who killed them would be arrested. The person who drove the child there would be arrested. The person who paid the person doing that would be arrested. The secretary working behind the desk would be arrested. Um, everyone involved would be, would be under this. Yes? Right. Same type laws would apply to the abortion. Sure, yes. So yes. The fact that if you were coerced into killing somebody it would be handled differently, right? Yes. And yes. Current laws of murder that exist. Right. Right. We already have laws in Alabama that deal with um, yeah, you know, all all manner of levels of culpability um, for uh, for a murder. Um, for instance, we have um, um, it, well, just looking at this bill, HB four fifty four. There's even a uh, there there is um, a uh, a clause in there that that says um, that um, yeah, explicitly says if a if the mother uh, is threatened with her life, um, that that could be a defense she could use in court for. You know, it's not like automatic, but it's it's a, a given defense that she could use. The judge look at it and say, "Oh well, we see that somebody gunned your head, and so then you know maybe that's a mitigating factor here, and you won't you won't go to prison for that." Obviously, it's all it's 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 like everything else up up to this attorney what he wants to prosecute. Um, it's, yeah, so it's just the same as what, when we have a murder case now. It in no ways like targets a mother specifically or a woman. Um, and of course, yeah, if uh, any woman has an abortion, unless Unless she literally gets a coat hanger, there's someone else culpable. Someone's selling her that pill. Someone's driving her to the abortion clinic in Atlanta. I mean, there's always other people who do share blame. And uh, unfortunately, as of right now, 
all those people, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. There's nothing stopping a pimp from pressuring them to have an abortion. Because, it, again, it's legal. And so, under an abolition law, well, then those men that are currently pressuring them, well, now they're all of a sudden pressuring them to commit homicide. And so that actually gives protection to that woman because she can now, she has a defense and say, well, no, I'm not going to listen to you try to help me commit murder. Are you crazy? Anyone else? Yes, sir. Um, so it, it does not specifically name any sort of abortion. It just says broadly that the laws that govern murder now would apply to this. So it doesn't ban any sort of chemical. There are multiple chemicals that can be used for abortion. Um, we don't want to play whack-a-mole with just different methods and list them all. For one thing, some abortifacient chemicals are good for other things that are not abortifacient. Um, there's, there are genuinely, you know good uses for them um, it's the intent it's what it's what is a um, what is someone trying to do with this chemical also it in a chemical abortion it can be very hard to actually prove that a murder happened if you're taking a pill you just found you're pregnant you're just four weeks along we don't even know if there actually was a human present and so um, under HB 454 if that was law it would be pretty hard to actually bring a case against someone for that because you're just never going to know. Until you have a heartbeat, it's, it's just going to be under the under our technology now. You just don't... You could assume a woman's pregnant or you can take her word for it and we're not going to know. Um, so no, it does not... It would not specifically like say um, that it's illegal to purchase it through the mail, but you'd now be purchasing something. If you're purchasing something... I mean, these websites are publicly selling them. These are for abortion. Like, buy these for an abortion. So, oh, hey, you just... You just bought, bought something on purpose that you're trying, planning to commit murder with, um, so that can be something the district attorneys would look at. But unfortunately, again, some of those things are mostly coming from out of state when they're through the mail, um, so it would be hard to actually prosecute the ones selling them. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, under the law, they'd have to be. Because, again, just think about a two-year-old. If, if a husband gave his wife some cash to go, hey, go take care of our two-year-old. Or, like, I'd, I, I'd still want Johnny to live, but you don't want Johnny, so I guess I'll help you out. Well, no. That does not fly in our courts today. And so, yeah, under our proposed law, they would definitely, just for any sort of, just for any sort of uh, help with that, they are liable to being arrested and charged with at least an accomplice to murder. All right, well, if you have any... Okay, one more. So, uh, the 8454, what was it? They didn't uh, hear it this time for this, this go-round? Yeah, so not going to hear it. It was, it was introduced pretty late in the session. Um, really was too late to, for any traction to happen. Um, but 
we'll introduce it next winter when they come back into regular session. Yes, yeah, so great question. I, sh I should have mentioned it myself. Um, again, get our flyer, scan our QR code, sign up to get updates from us. Um, talk to your legislators. Um, there's 105 state representatives, 35 senators here in Alabama. Um, many of legislators, if you can get them on the phone or um, right now, it, they're actually in special session this week in Montgomery, uh, but they'll be gone after this week. Um, if you can meet them and just say, you know, I live in your district, I want to talk to you, these aren't congressmen. Most of them will sit down and have a chat with you about whatever your issue is. They like hearing from constituents, and they don't hear that often. So when one wants to talk to them, they're typically going to give you a hearing. Um, talk to them and, and ask them, what, do you believe abortion is murder? And they're probably going to say yes, and so, well, what do you think we should do about it? Again, many of them are going to think that Abortion's been outlawed already. They're, gonna, they're not going to be thinking about the pills. Um, and they're going to try to sell you on, you know, they're pro-life bona fide and say, oh, I, or, yeah, I did this, this, and this. And, well, abortion's not happening, though. And so what do you think we should do? Now, you go to our website and you find the text of HB 454. You can read it. You can show it to them. Um, obviously, a lot of them are going to know Representative Ernie Arbo. He's from um, part of Decatur's in his district. Um, so you, uh, if you... If you have a legislator that you want to talk to, contact me. I can help you. We can help you meet them and give you information about them. We can have other legislators talk to them if they're interested. Currently, we only have a Ernie Arbor in the House. We would love to have a Senate sponsor as well next year for the bill. Um, yeah, but starting conversations. Um, hand, get, um, get one and give it to a friend. Um, ask them to, to support us. Again, we're nonprofit. Um, we are just three people doing this in our spare time. Um, when we are able to, so uh, we can we can use a lot of help in raising awareness and showing Christians, hey, children are being murdered. What are we doing about it? Are we following Proverbs twenty four and delivering those being taken to death? All right, so uh, we'll, we'll cut out there. But if you have any questions afterwards, please come see me and again uh, get one of these. So that's how you, we could support HB four fifty four. Yeah, so the legislature is over for this year, so. Um, and I think the bill will actually have to be refiled next year under a different, a different number. Um, but, yeah, as of right now, contact legislators, send them an email, give them a phone call. And, and don't just say, hey, support this bill because, you know, in eight months probably going to forget what that meant. But try to set the meeting with them um, and also be talking to other Christians and talking to them about what needs to happen. And tell them about this bill and show them that this is a way that we can actually abolish abortion in our state once and for all. Stop supporting pro-life organizations because a lot of times they oppose bills. Yes, like they are. They are working against us. The the lawyer who wrote um, the pro-life law that's in effect now, he is actively opposing our legislation. Because here in it uh, because it could offer impunity and immunity for the right, mother. Is because it could potentially put a woman in prison for choosing to murder someone. Right. That's a no go for him. So they and, refuse to support those bills. Yeah, not just refuse. He's opposing it and um, oppose it. Actively yeah. oppose it. <laughs> All right, and then were there those points? Was there, were there any other points as far as what we can do? Well, um, I also have some of these already abolitionist uh, pamphlet. Um, it was it's a little outdated because it talks about Roe is still being in effect, but still mostly good information that's um, so helpful today. So you can pick up one of these as well. Um, so yeah, so so follow us, um, and really, uh, you we need to be 
we need to be thinking about this more. We need to, to be acting like children are dying. And again, Christians are currently in jail and facing prison sentences for working against this. Um, remember those who are in bonds. Um, and let's not just let um, this be pushed under the rug. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you.